Hello and welcome to Unsourced. Well, my name is Elvis and as always, I'm your host. Alright, it's going to be a really short one because we're just talking about two short news topics and like three really short comic reviews. So we're going to get right into it. Obviously, I've been kind of busy with stuff like Hulk Fember, which is ongoing, and some bonus unboxings and reviews that I'll be doing throughout the month as well. Anyway, let's move on to news topics. First off, we have some fun stuff because apparently there was a problem with this week's release of Just League's tie-in to Death Metal. On Comixology, it turned out that it was mistakenly replaced with an issue of the weekly Digital First Wonder Woman comic for like hours. It just wasn't fixed at all up till like the late afternoon. I mean, I don't know much else about that other than that. But maybe it was just the work of some some hero trying to save folks from reading death metal in general. And if that is true, then that person is a clear hero. Kudos. And lastly, on to some other fun stuff. Apparently Seven Seas, a manga publication company, has announced a deluxe hardcover reprinting of the original Super Sentai Titan manga from Shotaro Ishinomori based on the very first Super Sentai series. Himitsu Sentai Go Ranger. This is the first time that it will see print in English, and as a huge fan of the television series, I am over the moon. Go Ranger is an incredible show and definitely worth all kinds of commemoration and merch like this. Now, as for the manga, I've imported it. I can't read Japanese, but I have the original volumes here in my house, and it's okay-ish. Like visually, in terms of the pure storytelling, it's not that great and definitely nowhere near the level of the show, but it does have some really fun spreads and visuals and moments. One thing I've noticed that halfway through, it gets retooled into a Gagaday vignette strip. So it's really up in the air as to whether or not Seven Seas is going to even bother the second half. There's some debate against that among some fans, or stick with the more plotted but unfinished first half. Either way, I'm really hyped. The only drawback is that apparently they're going with the awkwardly translated name Himutsu Sentai Gorenger. E, and that they're using the same design aesthetic as the Shout Factory Super Sentai DVD releases, which is just a garbage packaging outlook. It's so bad, and I hope that all that changes by the time it rolls around in April of next year. So fingers crossed, and like I said, I'm a huge fan, and in that sense, uh, this is going to be a must-buy. Alright, let's move on to what I read this week. First off, we have Sweet Tooth to return number one. Now, this is something I truly wasn't expecting. I mean, finally ending American Vampire in its own miniseries is one thing, but giving Sweet Tooth an epilogue miniseries years after it's very conclusive and satisfying and will run an ending, that takes moxie. And this first issue has a lot of it. It's not so much a return to form, but a rehash of form. But one that has enough frayed and tattered edges around it that makes the retread aspect come off as less repetitive and more eerie and clearly suspenseful. The story takes place through the years after the finale of the original series, as marked by the very blunt intro page. But the issue throws you for a loop of how things seem to have regressed and been completely negated in a way that makes little sense. Like how events are repeating or that humans are somehow still alive despite nearly being extinct by the final issue of the original series. And that this young near boy who we've become introduced to might as well be Gus himself reborn. Or not. It could be anything. There's a lot to unload here and the first thing to note is that none of this seems to be in the face or in the vein of retconning or forgetfulness. There does seem to be something wrong with how things have turned out. Something uncanny, unnatural that this new Sweet Tooth will have to unveil or unravel, and it does get you hooked into the story with ease. So I'm excited, and I can't wait for more. Jeff Lemire has really brought back the title to life, and if it can be as good as the ending to the original, then we're in for a treat. Overall, two thumbs up. It was great to see these characters again, even if they're pseudo-reincarnated or in purgatory or whatever is going on. I'm just glad to be along for the ride. And lastly, we have X of Swords, chapters 12 and 13 from X-Men and Marauders. 
This week's round of Exoswords chapters have really done more for the Arako side than pretty much anything else that came before it. Unlike last week, which seemed to be focused on giving the sword bearers of Arako some really fun and memorable character beats, this one actually delivers on that promise, because they're not simply schlocky and gimmicky gags this time around. I mean, at heart they mostly are, for sure, but there's a little more wit and nuance to their interactions. From how Iska goes from this simple gag about being ready and always unbeatable and up for a fight, to showing some more verisimilitude and cunning in her interactions with the Koa side, to definite storms, subtly enchanting dance as they size each other up, and then, you know, eventually start to realize their own dynamic. It's simple, and sometimes visually obvious, but it gets the right emotions and tone across. It gives them just enough shallow memorability, while also starting to dig into what they mean for the story and to the X-Men roster as a whole. That doesn't really go for most of them, but it's a start. And more to the point, we get what is pretty much the flip side to Apocalypse's whole spotlight issue a week or two ago, with Genesis's own POB of the time since Krakoa was split. It's a lot more tragic and saddening, and while it doesn't flesh her and the rest of their clan out too much, it does give their side some more pathos and depth, and more why they'd be so motivated to win as well. Plus, it all wraps up in a very punchy bowl, which is kind of the most obvious to be continued cliffhanger of the event so far, but I'm willing to sidestep that if it's able to really capitalize it and not come off a whimper next week. So hopefully next week can pick things up in a way that continues and respects momentum. Because overall, despite some dragging and dull points, it's been a really fun event so far. Want them up, want the middle. Alright, let's move on to what I watched this week, because we're finally heading into the last four episodes of Fargo Season 4 that I haven't reviewed, because they've been fucking amazing. Not only have they deepened and reconfirmed their ties to the Fourfold Saga, but the show has also strengthened itself as a thrilling and exciting monster story. We've gone to see characters like Elmerita, who I maintain is the counterpart to Mr. Miracle being pushed in the belly of the beast as Granny Goodness encloses her claws around her, to her declaring her own sense of identity in a scene that is eerily similar to Mr. Miracle number 11, which I believe was the origin issue from the original run. And with other characters, we've gotten something like Ben Wishaw's Orion counterpart cut loose and run ravage on those in his way. So it's been really fun seeing all that come to fruition. But it's also been a heck of a time seeing the homegrown gangland plots run around in circles too, with some double dealings, double crosses, and backhandedness that you would expect from this genre. In fact, much like the original saga, Death Static basically played himself and sealed his own doom. So even without the reference point of the Fourfold Saga, this has been shaping up to be one of the best scenes of Fargo's to date. It has a really great sense of humor, really great sense of plotting, really great sense of drama, and a really great sense of black comedy drama, which is something that Fargo really needs to have and a lot of previous seasons have really faltered with. So this has been a great time. It's really hard to get into all the nitty gritty with a show like this because I don't want to spoil anything and just explaining what the plot is going on is really stripping it of its charm and power and entertainment value. So I still just say, go out and watch for yourself because it's it's really damn good. And I can't wait to see how it all wraps up since it's not a direct adaptation. Who knows who will live at the end? Some have already fallen and it made all the sense in the world as to who has. Overall, two thumbs up. Anyway, that's it for this week. I just want to say thank you so much everyone out there who ever listened and who is still listening. It means so much to me and I'm so grateful for that. I'm sorry again for not asking for questions. I've been really busy with all these videos coming out. So I hope you understand it. And maybe next week uh, we'll get back to that. And I want to say again, thank you so much. And I want to give a shout out to the cover artist for a show at D-O-T-M-C-E-E. Please check them out. They're amazing. Give them all attractions and love in the world. And once again, have a great week. And uh, see you again next time.